Well, hey there, friends. Welcome back to Mallets and Mocktails, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Katie. And I'm Emily. And that was Emily's cat, Kevin. Yeah, my cat's yelling. And it's it's been a little while, guys. Um, life is lifing. Um, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're, what, like a, two months in. <laughs> yes, month and a half, month and three quarters. Yeah. Well, we had an episode in January, I think. God, it's the golden, so golden seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. did. Um. And I wanted to share something really quick. It's not true crime related, but I wanted to share. So if you want to skip ahead and don't care, that's okay. But I've been working to start a side hustle um, doing financial coaching. And I'm super excited. And so if that's something that you need help with, um, let me know. Um, My email is katie at clearsensecoaching.com. Or you can just DM us on Malice and Mocktails and I can give you the information. And it'll be in the show notes. But I just wanted to plug that, to be perfectly honest. Um, Katie, why should they come to you for financial coaching? What's your (laughs) stick? What's your plug? Why should they care? What have you you done? What have you accomplished? This is my shtick. So I, over the last couple years, um, I've paid off over $20,000 in credit card debt. And I'm officially debt-free. And I've just kind of turned my whole like mindset around money around. And it is not a quick process. This is not a get rich quick scheme at all. It's just me helping you, the client, get a better handle around your expenses, get you on a budget, um, get a plan in place to where you can start tackling your debt. Excuse me and start saving more because as an elder millennial, I am almost 41. And as I was going through this journey, I real I found the fire movement. So the financial independence retire early. And I was like, dang, I really wish I knew what I know now 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. I'm also realizing it's not too late. So I want to help folks kind of like me. Um, but who, whoever, if you need help, let me know. It doesn't have to be, you know, just like me, which is ridiculous, but um, yeah. So if you find yourself kind of in a similar situation and are like, oh my gosh, I really am struggling, please help me. I am here for you. So just wanted to share that and let's get into some true crime. Yay. That actually kind of ties nicely into <laughs> How? the crimes of today. <laughs> Um, except mine are what my, the crimes that I will be discussing today will what gets you into $20,000 of credit card debt or more. Um, so, uh, I, as I promised last time or the time before, I can't remember, uh, horse racing, horse racing crimes. I'm very excited to bring you an anthology of random horse crimes. Wow. Um, but they, but it's horse racing or like crimes against horses? Both. Oh, no. Well, I mean, well, but yeah, mostly just horse racing crimes, but some of the crimes of fixing horse races causes um, crimes oh, against horses. Oh, no. Is there any trigger um, warnings we should be, like animal cruelty, that sort of thing? Um, soft 
soft war- a soft trigger warning for animal cruelty. It's not like um it this is this is actually more much more of a lighthearted um crime spree than some of the previous episodes that I have brought to you. Okay. Um soft trigger warning for animal cruelty soft soft trigger warning so if you just if today is just the day that you're like i only want happy fun times this isn't it um i said lighthearted but as far as crimes go this is lighthearted um okay so uh, no no dismemberment no like no dismemberment no serial no, killers no, no serial killing no rape just money schemes okay so like white collar crimes white collar crimes there are there are there is a little bit of mine as far as animal abuse goes minor animal abuse okay um because remember the horse racing thoroughbreds are basically olympic athletes so of course they're not going to be mistreated but there is like you know okay I, so. I get it. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's start off with some of the biggest horse races in America. So all of these horse racing crimes that I'm going to talk about are just in America. Um, and they still go on today. Uh, we still have a lot of horse racing here in America. Um, back in the day, Horse racing was apparently the biggest sport in America. Like, imagine, um, hold on, let me go close the door. Do you hear Jeff snoring? I did a little bit, yes. Okay, yeah, let me go close the door. Okay. Because he's only going to get louder. Okay. Okay. So horse racing was um was the biggest sport in America way back when. Okay. Um so some of the biggest horse races in America, um the Kentucky Derby. It's been around since 1875. It is the first Saturday of May and it only allows 20 horses to compete. Um, there's the Breeder Cup, the Breeders Cup, which is a trilogy of races. Um, the Breeders Cup has been around since 1984, and they the locations for the races change every year, and the courses change every year. So they have different tracks. They have dirt tracks. They have turf tracks. They have different um, tracks. There's the Pegasus World Cup, which has been, that's a relatively new one. It's only been around since 2017. It's in Florida. Um, The reason why I bring it up is because the purse for the Pegasus World Cup, the first place prize, is $16 million. What? Yeah. So the Pegasus World Cup is the highest paid, the, uh, the biggest purse in America. What? And to be clear, the purse means... The purse is the first place prize. Okay. The purse goes to the horse or the horse's owner. Wow. Yeah. 16 million? Million. That, and that's the highest prize that's amount the highest among like all in, of the... In horses. America. In America for the horse 
races, like the for the thoroughbred okay. horse races. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. And uh, let's see. We've also got Preakness Stakes. It's been around since 1873. It's two weeks after the Kentucky Derby. Um, Belmont Stakes. It's in Belmont. It's in Elmont, New York. Um, that one is one and a half miles long. It's much longer than all the other courses. So it's known as the test of the champion because it's one and a half miles, whereas some of the other tracks are one and an eighth mile, one and a quarter mile, one and three sixteenths of a mile. This is one and a half mile. Um, let's see. There's Traverse Stakes. It's in New York. There's Arlington Million. It's in Illinois. Um, Arkansas Derby. It's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That one also has a $1 million purse. First prize going to the horse and the horse's owner. Um, and a whole bunch of others. But those are some of the biggest, most attended, well, most well-known here in America. There's a whole bunch more, but those are some of the biggest. So when horse racing was super big, well, even now, even now, you hear about horse racing in the news. It used to be in the newspapers, on the radio. People would be keeping track of the betting scores, um, which horse was uh, the favorite to win, which horse is the long shot, and people bet. People bet on all the horses. Not only do the winners get money, but all of the bettors can bet and earn money that way. Yeah. So with all this betting money around and big stakes to be had, of course people are going to try to cheat. Yeah. So in 1973, it was big news. 1973, June 25th, the New York Times reported that the House Select Committee on Crime recommended that Congress should make fixing horse races a federal crime. Damn. It was going so, there was so much horse race fixing that they think it should be a federal crime. It was proposed that the following would be against federal law. Drugging a horse, <gasps> using electronic bugs or whips, presenting false papers to track officials, committing or threatening physical violence to affect the outcome of a race. Any of these Becoming a federal crime would punish the violator with up to 20 years in prison and a fine of up to $20,000. Wow. Um, so then I went digging to see if I could find um, the select committee's report. And I could. It's on the internet. You can read it. Um, it yeah, I went. I, I honestly, I just want to read this, like the whole report to you guys, but that would be really long and dry and kind of boring. But it's really not that boring. Um, so it just jumps around like, so the report basically is like, the report is basically this specially selected committee telling Congress, um, fixing horse races needs to be a federal crime with these punishments. Here's why. And it lists all of the evidence. They had witnesses. They got testimonies. They have, um, 
all of these crimes um, and and they sourced all of these anecdotes for all of these crimes in 1973. So I'm not even going um, any of the recent crimes with horse racing because there's been a bunch. Um, so just up to 1973, so many like the 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 report is um the report is so many pages long 113 pages long the report is 113 pages long so i'm just going to go through a few of the um incidences and then a few of them each time i delved deeper into each incident, it led me to a different incident. Um, so the first one, uh, the committee had originally been formed to just be an in general crime in sports committee. Um, and they had planned to investigate all major American sports, but they started with horse racing because horse racing is, and I quote, by far the sport of greatest gate attendance and an increasingly important source of revenue for a majority of state governments. Sounds like football of, of the time, right? Yeah. That's and it, right? And it had enough, quote, criminal activities to keep the committee and its investigators active through the end of the year. This report came out in june oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah like lots of criminal activities with horse racing thoroughbred horse racing where there's either a jockey on a horse riding a horse back or i didn't know this um there's also like the thoroughbred and the jockey is in like a little um oh yeah the little little cart the the it's um, it's it's not like a cart like 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 the um like the Romans, not that kind of cart, but like a seated cart, like a seated bicycle kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um like there's a name for that and I cannot think of what it is. Yeah, I uh, I kind of glossed over it cuz I was like that's weird. I don't know about that. Um but I was too excited about the criminal <laughs> activities to go into the horse racing, but again, I wanted to get this out instead of you know yeah diving deeper and deeper and deeper into horse racing because then it would be like an entire two hours of horse racing and y'all would get bored um but yeah i yeah it's fair and so they're called drivers instead of jockeys but same thing okay um so if you hear me talking about drivers it's that the little like cart thingy um So at one point, they found that a crime syndicate had taken over an entire racetrack and was nearly successful in taking a second. Bribes were routinely given to commissioners and officials for racing licenses or better racing dates. Um, Inadequate security led to most of the issues of race fixing. Uh, One of the specific incidences is at one point 
in 1969, former Illinois Governor Otto Kerner and the former chairman of the Illinois Racing Board, William S. Miller, were indicted during an investigation of racing in Illinois because of a very large racing scandal. What happened was Governor Kerner would receive the ability to buy stock he would get stock options in the Arlington racetrack in exchange for giving the racetrack better race dates and two highway exits to make it easier to get to the race racetrack. And the best part about it is that the way they found out is because Marge Everett, who became the racetrack's new park manager, she filed that on her taxes, thinking that that was just how things were done in Illinois. She thought she thought the bribe was like legitimate business. So she filed it on her taxes. Wait, so she so didn't, she, she didn't realize that it was illegal. She, no, no, she didn't. She didn't realize it was a bribe. She thought that was just business. No, that is clearly a bribe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, he okay. got stock options in exchange for the track getting better race dates. No. Um, okay. So because she filed it on her taxes, he was convicted and found guilty of bribery, conspiracy, and income tax evasion. Did she get he in w- trouble? Because she, no, she, like she didn't do any. She's just managing, thinking, hey, everything's fine. Yeah, she didn't get in trouble. She was found to be innocent of anything. Oh, wrong. Okay. Um, he was convicted, found guilty of bribery, conspiracy, and income, income tax evasion, and he was threatened or er, threatened. He was sentenced to three years in prison and fined $50,000. But he only served six months because he had to go seek medical care for lung cancer, which he didn't survive. Oh, dang. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so sorry if I kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, it's how I was reading through the um, the committee's report and how I dove into different um, cases. Um, so based on um, what the committee found and based on testimonies that the committee got from racetrack managers, committee members, um, the committee recommended these things to f- get rid of the race fixing in horse racing. They decided that they needed full disclosure, a full disclosure statute of who owns the tracks and the horses, which makes sense. You think that should be a thing. Um, They wanted the setting of long-term race dates. So your race can't change its date. Like this is just its date. This is when that race happens. Um, licensing of anyone involved in horse racing. So the owner, the track people, the drivers or jockeys, um, the trainers, all of those people need to be licensed, which again, makes sense. Strict penalties for fixing a race. Makes sense. And this one might be my favorite. Establishing a national data bank of anyone barred from any track in any state, that way all the racetracks in all the states, because remember, these racetracks 
are spread all over the United States. Um, that way, any state can prevent anyone barred in another state from coming to their racetrack okay. and fixing their race. Yep. Which, reasonable. Yeah, makes sense. Totally, totally reasonable, totally reasonable re- requests. Um, another incident. And occasionally I'll give you um, the horse's name. Um, and some of the names are ridiculous, but the ones that I mentioned today aren't, aren't really that bad, but some of them get really ridiculous. And a lot of, a lot of the thoroughbred horses names are a combination of both their sire and their dam, sire being dad, dam being mom. Um, not all the time, but a lot of times. So if somebody has like a really extravagantly long name, it's usually a combination of a bit of the sire's name and a bit of the dam's name. Um, especially if they're like, especially like big winners or something. Um, As an example, I just Googled, you know, where does a horse horse name come from? Like a racehorse? Yep. And you're yep. right. It says a name might refer to a horse's lineage or pedigree. Yep. But I yep. think it's funny. It said a horse dubbed money in the bank, for example, my sire offspring named direct deposit. Oh, my God. So like it, I think it could also be a play on, you know, what the sire and the dame uh, or dam. What is it? Dame? I think it's dam. Dam. But I could be wrong. Okay. I mean, it's D-A-M, so oh, that pronounce okay. it your pleasure. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, maybe it'd be like a combination of, you know, just a, a, a punchy, punchy name. Anyway. Yeah. Go on. Punchy names are the best. I found one because I ended up looking in pedigrees for one particular horse. Um, the dad was something, I don't remember, like something, um, like two names. And then the mom was queen of something. And so the daughter of those two, they made queen of and then dad's name. Oh. Because <laughs> mom, mom's yes. name was queen of something or other. And dad's name was something. So they made it, the daughter was queen of something or other. Okay. So I thought that was cute. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I talk about horse names because there was an incident with a horse named Little Solaris. Um, during a race, the jockey touched a, and this is how they described it, touched an electric device to the horse at a crowded curve in the race. And the horse ended up jolting, hitting another horse, crashing down, breaking a leg in the process, causing them to have to put the horse down. (gasps) Yeah. Like it was a huge thing. Like, so... The jockey riding little Solaris, like, you know, they're, they're all, they're coming around the turn, they're coming around the curb. They get and close to each other. They get they, soup. They touch each other. They, yeah. they get, they get super close. And he touched an electric device at the wrong point. It was with the, with the crowd around a curve. So the horse like was like, oh crap. And he went and hit another horse, went down, broke a leg, another horse, cause they're all in a bunch. Another horse ended up tripping over him and that horse and that jockey went down as well. But as far as I could find, only little Solaris had to be put down for a broken leg. Um, When the man testifying to the committee about this incident was asked more about the electric whip, he said, um, 
the above incident, the above incident is the only one that the man that's testifying has caught, but he, he knows of several other, several others. Um, he said that another jockey was found, found with a quote, joint machine bug in his hand. So that's what they would call them. Um, but it's, it's basically a cattle prod of some kind. Um, but from what I've been reading is that they would basically make it so that the horse whip, you know, the little crop, um, had a little, um, cattle prod built inside of it. And so it seems like the jockey, um, it seems like this particular jockey of little Solaris, like that was a total accident. Like he wasn't trying to, um, cattle prod his horse because at the crowded curve is a terrible place to do it. So it was an accident causing him to get caught. <sighs> yeah. Cause you're not cheating. Yes. Straight up cheating. Cause unless you're, you're making the curve and you're coming mm-hmm. up to the last leg, like the last mm-hmm. straightaway, you're typically mm-hmm. not. And I, I know nothing about horse racing. This is just what I've seen and, and kind of what I and, understand of how it would to me, logically make sense to me. Like Same. you're going to wait until your horse makes, gets around to get onto the straightaway and you're going to book it depending on, mm-hmm. cause you're the diff, there's different, um, uh, as far as like the, um, what the horse is good at in terms of, you know, are you going to be, maybe your horse is long legged and they're really good. They can sprint. Um, mm-hmm. or are you pretty good at, you know, you're good at, um, uh, taking it slow, like you're a long distance runner, sort of. And so if you're if your horse can kind of go, we're we're going, we're maybe in like the middle of the pack, and then you you get around the curve and you just take off. Yeah, you know, that's when you want to like hustle. I would think not right, not at the curve, <laughs> not at the curve. Yeah. Oh man, I could be. Um, I am not. Like I said, we're not. We no. we, we know nothing about. We know a lot yeah. about horses in general, but not horse racing. Not horse racing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so. That's awful. Like. That. God. Yeah. Because. Yeah. My thought would be, okay, you're responsible for that asset. And I'm sorry. It's an asset. It, oh, yeah. It's, you know, it is an animal. Dollars. And I'm, it makes me sad that instead of you know, you broke your leg. I would think that, I mean, yeah, he'd have to be, you probably can't race anymore, but again, that's your, that's your source of income. I hate that. That I, I have a, I struggle with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so well, then you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're responsible now for like, you caused this and you caught, I, yeah, lots of feelings. <laughs> well, but again, who, Who's allowing that jockey to do that? Well, correct. The owner. Well, if he knows, they may not even know. Like the, but then again, what's the what's the incentive, right? Because the jockey's yeah. there to win. The so, jockey's there to win. I mean, unless he's I don't know. But yeah. I would I would think the owner would be more mad that the that the jockey got caught and had to ruin the horse than I mean I'd be I than be, that the jockey was doing it. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe the jockey was just like, I get a bonus if I win, so I'm going to make sure I win. Maybe. But he's not the only one. So 
Uh, so the man had also found a different, um, a different jockey found with a joint machine or bug in his hand. Um, a man caught him, brought him, called, called the steward and the steward of the, of the track, um, said, go get a police officer to take him into, to bring him into my office. But it was the officer's first day. And he wasn't a police officer. He was hired security for the track. This is his first day as a security officer for a racetrack. His regular job, he's a firefighter. No disrespect on firefighters, but firefighters aren't security. So as he was escorting this jockey found with a with a bug yeah. in his hand, um, he gets to the steward's office. They pat him down. He's got nothing on him. So they all speculate that the dude threw it over the fence when the firefighter security officer wasn't looking because they also had other people report that they had seen something fly over the fence and some other dude come up to that side of the fence and pick it up and run off. Oh, my God. Yeah. Comedy of errors. So really bad security at, at racing tracks. I mm, I won't go that far in this instance. Not enough security. Not enough security. I'm sure Maybe there is nowadays. I would hope so. I would hope there's a lot more because I have a lot more crimes. Um. So the guy, so the guy who killed Little Solaris, um, after determining the whip had used a sophisticated battery, is what they called it, sophisticated battery device in it. Um, they went ahead and searched all the rest of the jockey's quarters at that racetrack, and they found another device in the footlocker of another jockey. So they found one other device at that racetrack alone for that particular race. So two jockeys with cheating sticks, basically. <laughs> oh, my God. Basically a cattle prod. Um, and the guy who's testi- testifying to all this, his name is MacArthur, um, and he basically thinks cattle prods in general are trash. He's like, I don't even use these on my cattle, let alone horses. And he says, and I quote, I think it is a terrible way to treat an animal that is supposed to be your friend. Aww. I know. Right? I know. So who, I had to, I had. So how did MacArthur even know any of this? Like, who is he? What did he do for the. Um, he I think he worked at the track. Okay. Um, they don't really go into who he was, but he was the one testifying on this particular incident. Okay. I think he worked at the track at the time of that incident. Um, so then the committee also found a large fraud ring. Um, so this crime spree, um, and I'm going to call it a spree, um, this, these people were running six horses, six real horses using 12 different identities. Yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. wait, fake so, papers. Okay. So basically they're claiming, you know, say Sir Arthur is also Jane Smith. Like, exactly. What, Sir also, Arthur is also like dead ringer. Yeah. Okay. How like okay, keep going. I'm I have questions, but keep going. Yeah. Um, so what they were doing is they would have fake full paperwork, fake pedigrees, yeah, um, indicating 
not only are they a, is this horse a different horse, but it's a slower horse. And so uh, what they call oh, this, what uh, they call this substitute horse, they call this a ringer. Um, so they raced these six horses in at least 41 different races, if not more, minimum 41 races, 12 different tracks over an 18-month period from November 1970 to March 1972. Of the 41 races, 14 of they won 14 of them. Um, so what they would do is they would say, this is the slow horse, whatever, whatever. And then they would bring the horse in to race and they would bet that the horse is going to win and nobody else would bet that yep. horse is going to win because it's yep, a slow yep. horse. And then they would win. Boom. Crap ton of money. I wonder how long it took. How long did it take those in power to catch on to this little stunt? 18 Did anybody... months. They weren't caught for 18 months. Oh, it was 18 months. Okay, sorry. I missed that yeah, part. Okay. It, they, they were at least, at least they were running large for 18 mm -hmm. months, if not longer than that. And the committee was like, FBI needs to be involved. This crosses state lines. FBI needs to be involved in this. So I guess, <laughs> so in the, I would think that folks who are, you know, in you're, you're in the sport, right? Like you, yeah. you pay attention. What horses look like? What is? You know, I feel like there are individuals who could probably spot. You know, hey, that horse, dead ringer, looks like Jane Doe from yeah. whatever track, and yeah. like start to question it, and then you start yeah. comparing, like, oh, dead ringer ran X Y Z race, and they won. Mm hmm. You know, like figuring out, I don't know. I mean, it, of course, in hindsight, whatever, but I don't know. Well, so the worst part about this particular crime spree fraud ring um, is that apparently, and I don't know too much about this one. I didn't delve too far into this one, um, but it was obvious to the committee um, that everybody involved with this ring, um, had a crap ton of money because thoroughbreds are 500, $2,000, $3,000 during that time, um, during the, during the seventies. So not only are these horses that expensive, but many horses were either done away with or sent or killed. And so they, they were constantly rotating horses. Oh my God. So yeah. That's gross. Yeah. yeah, it's very gross. So like this was a huge, this was a huge crime spree. So that's, so that kind of kept some of that, oh, hey, dead ringer from this race looks like Johnny May from that race, like that kept a lot of that down because they were changing horses. Um, we, another reason why they were like, FBI needs to be brought in. This is a huge, big money, big problem. Um, and the committee said, quote, um, be because of how much, how much horses cost and how many horses they found out were destroyed, um, quote, so there is no doubt that the parties involved are very willing to take these substantial losses and financial risk, end quote, to 
in order to continue doing this fraud. Because remember, the purse is a crap ton of money. So if they win, plus all of the betting money that they bet. Ah, yes, this is true. So it's not just about winning. It's also about betting. Betting, yeah. Um, so I talked about drugging in the very beginning. So one of the biggest cases, one of the most contested cases of drugging, May 4th, 1968, the horse's name is Dancer's Image. And he's one of the ones who his dad was somebody dancer and his mom was somebody's image. So his name is Dancer's Image. Half of his name is from his dad, half of his name is from his mom. He, Dancer's Image, was the first Kentucky Derby winner to be disqualified. (gasps) He was a Kentucky winner, Kentucky Derby winner, and he was disqualified for doping. (gasps) That's what you mean by drugging? Like he's on steroids? He was, yes. Or on some sort of enhanced doping. So what happened was... But first, let me tell you a fun fact. This controversy was so huge that it the story of his doping became a Sports Illustrated cover article. What? Yes. And one of the I, I found the cover. I found the cover. So um I I am putting that in the show. I'm we'll that, yeah, we'll add one it to of my the, things. Yeah. So Katie, if you can add that to the show notes, I found the cover. Because you can buy it on eBay. I found it. He was on the cover. His dancer's image's face is on the cover of and, Sports Illustrated. And like how ridiculous because it's not not like dancer's image was like, hey, I yeah. give me that stuff. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> right. I need some steroids so I can win. It wasn't even steroids, actually. What so it turns it? out. Let me tell you what it was and why he was taking it. Um, so dancer's image had a history of sore ankles. Poor, poor guy. He had a history of sore ankles. So they would treat him with phenylbutazone, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Okay. It's an insulin. It's freaking ibuprofen. Okay. I mean, that seems Um, legal or legit. It's legit, but illegal for for there to be in a horse's system on race day at the oh, time. Oh, okay. They could not have phenylbutazone in their system on the day of the race, perfectly legal any other day of the year. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. Because they were to- they were like, yeah, no, totally, totally do it the rest of the year as a pain reliever I for your horses. Not a problem. Maybe they don't want them on anything just because who knows how it's going to impact their performance, which apparently I guess this helped him. Um, exactly. It's an anti-inflammatory. So their joints, their muscles are going to be less inflamed that they would, than they would be. They're doing, remember, and any, remember, these are, these are not just, you know, these are not just regular run of the mill athletes. These are top tier, highest like if 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 these horses were humans today, this is going to be not even. This is not even. Um, this is not even the the Super Bowl. This it's is the Olympics. Um, this is the this is the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, I mean they do have horses in the Olympics, yes, they but do. this is yes. like individual. Like this is any little tiny minute thing. Like this is basically 
U.S. Olympic Olympics gymnastics because they do okay. they do it individually. It's individual sports. So any little tiny thing that you can do to be better than everybody else is going to make a huge difference because you're all at that top tier Got it. athletic level. Um, so even just an anti-inflammatory is going to make a difference. But so in order to make sure that nobody's doping their horses, steroids or non-steroids, um, they do, they perform a urinalysis on all of the horses that raced right after the race happens. So they oh. race and then boom, urinalysis. Yeah. Which I think is super smart instead of doing it before the race. Yes. Cause then they could do it before the race, inject the horse and go. Got to do it right after. Wow. Um, yeah. So oh, where'd my question go? It was right in my head. Um, it's okay. I'll, let me go keep going. And I'll, I might think I'm talking so fast. Cause I'm so excited. Cause this is nuts. Um, it is pretty crazy. Right. Uh, so they were treating him with phenylbutazone. They were treating dancer's image with phenylbutazone. And of course, remember, these are top tier athletes. So they're getting top tier care. So he's got the trainers on staff. He's got veterinarians regularly checking. The owner has a veterinarian checking up on him regularly. And since he's got his little sore ankles, um, the owner talked with the vet and the vet was like, yeah, we can give him an injection of phenylbutazone now, however many days before the race, and it should be out of his, should be completely out of his system before race day. So we're good to go. Boom. Gave him phenylbutazone. Okay. That way it would be out of his system by race day. Your analysis came back, trace amounts. No good. Disqualified. So, okay. That was going to be my question is, was were people aware like was it it was it negligent or was it just oops you know the vet made a mistake that so that's the question so it gets even more convoluted so he should have been based on the dosage and based on the days because this vet this is his vet, you know, so they know, they should know. Well, and it's probably like a racehorse vet. Like it's, they probably it's specialize exactly. in equine sports like that. Exactly. So he's, boom, disqualified. Purse, the first place prize, the purse goes to um, the second horse that made it across runner, the line. Runner up. <laughs> the first runner up, which was, um, where's his name? Follower. I was making oh, a I wrote joke that down. his name was Runner. For <laughs> no, his name was Forward Pass. Okay. Um, so the owner, Peter Fuller, contests it in court because he's like, no, I'm not doping my horse. Like, I didn't dope my horse. You only found trace amounts. But here's the kicker. He claimed that he had been getting threats ever since he donated his previous winnings, his $60,000 previous winnings from his last race to Coretta Scott King after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. What, who so was he claimed, him? He claimed, so he, this is a, um, they're racing in the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. Yeah. He donated winnings to Coretta Scott King okay. after 
Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. And he says that he had been getting a whole bunch of threats ever since he donated to her. And so he requested more security be at the races because he was getting threats. But his request for higher security was denied. So he claimed that anyone that had been threatening him could have gotten to the horse before the race and drugged it. Oh, my God. That just sounds like a wild. Well, why were you threatening him? Because he donated to her? Because he donated. Because he donated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it really does. And I was like, you know, that sounds that sounds that sounds fake. That sounds like fake news. But he appealed. So he's been contesting and he um the at first the Kentucky State Racing Commission gave the first prize, the the purse, to forward pass instead of Dancer's image. But he was contesting, and finally in December 1970. Two years later, because this all happened in 1968, in December 1970, a Kentucky court awarded Dancer's Image first place for that. They they decided, you know what, you're right. You're right. Kentucky, you're you're right. Dancer's Image won. Fair and square. Whoa. But. Oh, God. <laughs> but then the Kentucky Court of Appeals, somebody appealed that 1970 decision and in april of 1972 in the kentucky court of appeals the previous decision where dancer's image won was overturned again and dancer's image was once again disqualified for doping oh my lord yeah for one race horse racing be tripping be tripping well and then you want to hear what what? You want to hear the biggest kicker of all? Of course. What is it? So 1968, he gets disqualified for doping. Okay. 1970, um, he gets his he gets his win back. Okay. 1972, he gets it taken away, disqualified for doping. Okay. And in 1974, phenylbutazone was legalized by the Kentucky Racing Commission. God dang it. Mm-hmm. 1974, it was legalized, no longer an issue. Dancer's image. Yep, Yep. dancer's image. He's a pretty boy, too. Oh. Good Lord. This is gross, all of this. All of this. So, and that's not even, that's one of the crazy, that's one of the super crazy ones. But there's more. But wait, (laughs) there's more. So. In 1970s, again, completely unrelated to Dancer's Image, completely new story. In the 1970s, Anthony Chula, I think I'm pronouncing that kind of good. Um, Anthony Chula, also known as Big Tony, fixed a bunch of races. So Big Tony was a member of the Winter Hill Gang in Boston. And he first started out with race, uh, he first started out fixing races by doping racehorses. But then he turned to bribing jockeys when drug testing became more common. And so bribing jockeys was just all around easier. He would bribe jockeys with up to $10,000. 
and I looked to see how much ten thousand dollars in nineteen seventy. Um, that's almost eighty two thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, that's that'll do it. Yeah. Um, so what he would do is he would go to the jockey of the horse that's the favorite to win. He would go. He would go to that jockey and say, "Hey, don't win. Just don't win. Don't win. Don't win top three. I want you to be." top four or less. Ugh. Don't win. And then he would go and he would bet on one of the longer shot horses yep. Yep, yep, yep. to win. That's how you do and it. He'd get he'd get uh he'd get that big that big win because the favorite didn't win. So whatever else he bet on was gonna earn more money. And the way he got caught That's probably something stupid, isn't it? It is, because you're depending on other people. You can never depend on no. other people. So finally, lazy white bribed a, crime. These white collar people are can never they, depend they on anybody. Be lazy. Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Oh. You're good. So a jockey that he bribed, Peter Fantini, made it obvious that he was throwing the race. <laughs> oh, Peter. Yeah. He yeah, Peter made it obvious he he was throwing the race. And thus he was investigated. You threw the race. Why? Tell us why. Because you clearly threw the race. And he was like, No, nah, I didn't throw the race. And they're like, You threw the race. Like, Come let's on. And he's like, the okay. tape, shall we? Like Yeah. Exactly. Like he made it obvious. And so of course, he sang like a canary about getting bribed by Anthony Chula. Oh, and by the way, Anthony Chula wouldn't just bribe them with money. He would also physically intimidate them. Of course. I was going to say, you know, if they say... His name is Big Tony. Of course he's going to be big and intimidating. I mean, if they tell him to, you know, go screw off, he'll... Oh, yeah, no. Threaten you with violence. And remember, jockeys are... Jockeys are little guys. Well, they have to be. Um, They have to be as light as possible. I think there's there's a weight limit. From what I understand, a height and a weight limit, from what I understand. I would think so. Make them more aerodynamic and lighter for the horses. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised they don't use women and children as jockeys. Well, children Maybe that's is probably dangerous. Um, I think women can be jockeys. They just... Come on. What? <laughs> dangerous for children. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've seen any women jockeys. Keep talking and I'll I'll do some side research. Yeah, do some side research about about female jockeys. Um so he so Peter Fantini was not the only one to sing on Big Tony. Another bribed jockey, Peter Hull, reported being bribed by Big Tony. So Big Tony was convicted of fixing thoroughbred races in only Massachusetts and Rhode Island, even though he's boasted about fixing races in every single state with the exception of California. Um, So he was sentenced to six years in prison, but he made an immunity deal for testifying against all of the jockeys and trainers that he's fixed races with because you can't fix a race by yourself. Well, no, you, like you said, you need help and you rely on people and. Uh, uh Uh-huh. So he, he got a plea deal for all the all the other people that he fixed races with. Oh, Lord. So he got relocated and given a new identity of Tony Capra. 
Not very original, but okay. No, it is not. But also what came out during the trial was that not only did he fix races by bribing jockeys with money and physical intimidation, he also would race under false names, so false papers. Yep. He admitted to tax evasion. Yep. Sure. And bribing jockeys with cocaine. What? Yeah. I was like, really? Cocaine? Okay. I don't don't know. But what? Yeah. And that's not even the craziest thing. So there have also been riots at races. Riots. Like for not winning or for like... Because you won. Let me tell you. Oh my God. Let me tell you about two different, completely different races, uh, two completely different riots, both coincidentally at the Yonkers Raceway in New York. And I didn't even know that both of these were done at Yonkers. I, I, checked out the first one and then I that led me to find another riot and I was trying to figure out where the heck was this riot where the heck was this riot because you put in 1960s and 70s race riots and you don't get thoroughbred race riots you get human race riots um so that took me a little while to research and find um but the second riot that I will tell you about in a minute was also at Yonkers Raceway so if you go to the Yonkers Raceway Careful, there could be a riot. So June 6th, 1971, Yonkers Raceway in New York. Almost 18,000 people in the audience. And after the fifth race, several hundred audience members, people betting, uh, almost rioted for about 15 minutes until six cop cars showed up to quell the riot. They were throwing thrash, trash cans and other things onto the racetrack at the jockeys. They burned programs. They burned newspapers. A couple of people jumped onto the raceway. Um, a bunch of people, a bunch of men went to the paddock area to throw more crap at jo- jockeys. So they started an investigation. What the heck? Why are these people rioting? What the heck caused this riot? And I um, will tell you that I don't exactly understand betting on the horses. I don't, I don't fully get it, but I will do my best. Um, during the investigation, they found that things were really odd and suspicious, but no hard evidence. No, uh, blah, 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 I'm sorry. No hard evidence was found to prove any real fixing of the race. But it just is very suspicious. So what happened during the race to infuriate all these people is the horse, Miss Kana Adios, was the three to ten choice. I don't know what that means. Um, she defeated another horse, Adios Corinne, by three quarters of a length in two minutes and one second. And that paid out $2.60 for a $2 bet to win. The betters thought that that was a low return. Um, then there's the next, there's the next race because it's more than one race at a time. It's several, um, it's several lined up back to back to back to back. Then 
So betters are already kind of unhappy. They're not, they're not super happy about that. Then the one mile race, the one mile pace was won by Moonstone Bay, the 13 to one long shot being driven by Del Incinco. That's the, that's the jockey. Mr. Ace, driven by Billy Meyer, was second, and the return was only $42.60, $324 in today's money. Okay. Um, the betters thought that it should have been $200 or $1,500 in today's money. So what had happened was a higher percentage of betters were holding these tickets than the odds would go for. Okay. Um, so more people were holding these tickets saying that the long shot would win. Right. And since more people. Yes. It lowers your, the long shot, how it, much you get out of the pot. Yes. And they were pissed. And it's also super suspicious. Like why, why were there so many more people betting on the long shot? on this particular race. Hmm. Turns out that most of the betters betting on this particular way were drivers or jockeys, horse trainers, and other people with access to the paddock area. Hmm. Yeah. Super suspicious. Again, super suspicious, but they couldn't find any hard evidence of a race fixing, hmm. but very suspicious. Okay. So suspicious that many holders of large blocks of winning tickets never cashed them in once they heard that an investigation was underway. Suspicious. And super suspicious. Quote, one purchaser of a block of 22 $20 tickets, so 22 tickets worth $20. Each. Each. Okay. Hadn't claimed them by the 1973 special committee hearing and the 1973 special committee hearing said that by the report written those unclaimed $20 tickets would have been worth $10,000. Oh my god. In today's money that's about $70,000. Dang. So I wonder what those tickets would be worth now cuz if they were worth $10,000 in after two years, what would they be worth now? Would the racetrack even be able to recognize and pay them out? I was going to say, Could they? probably not. Well, well, no, because I would think you treat it like, because I know with like the, the lottery, you have a mm -hmm. year. Oh, you have an well, actually, it, Oops, I hit mute. Um, yeah, it says on the ticket, it's either, I think it's six months or a year to claim your prize. So there's got to be, I would think there has to be okay. some sort of expiration. Like you have until this date to to cash in because otherwise, like if people waited, then, you know, come back years later, you know, inflation yeah. and whatever, like they're not going to honor that's, they'd lose money. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's my thought. Again, I don't nothing. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but that led me to finding out that's not even the worst riot. Like by a long shot. That is that's not even the worst riot. Yeah. A previous riot at the same raceway 
was so much worse. So May 29th, 1962, so almost 10 years previously, so many fans. Uh, what I read in the newspaper article in the New York Times, it was or not the New York Times, um, the another newspaper, um, the California Digital Newspaper, um, is that a thousand fans rushed the track. But honestly, if you watch the video, that's way more than a thousand people. Also, by the way, there's a video on YouTube. There's multiple videos on YouTube of this 1962. Riot. What? Yeah, oh, man. And I highly recommend you go watch it. It's like, as far as riots go, it's a little, as far as watching a video of a riot, it's really not that fun to watch. Um, but when you watch the video, you can see just men shoulder to shoulder, like it's a bunch of men. And there's the, there's the, um, there's the barricade holding them back from the track and men literally shoulder to shoulder grab the fence and are shaking it violently until they finally are able to get it down and rush the race. Oh my track. God. Oh yeah. It's nuts. And they apparently, so they were pissed. They were yelling, fix, fix, fix. So all of the betters thought, that this was the same thing that the one happening later in 1971 basically did. So what happened, before I tell you what the riot was, so what happened was um, a rush of bets were placed on the long shot, Miss Chief Mokin. She was the long shot. She was, um, the bet on her was, the odds on her were 10 to 1 to win. 10 to 1. So... People that bet on the long shot, bet on the long shot. Yep. Um, but right before her race, a rush of bets were placed on her, taking her from 10 to 1 to 1 to 5 to 1 to 2, just before the start of the eighth race. And Miss Chief Moken had not won since last November. The crowd started booing as the tote board, I guess that's the scoreboard where they put the the, the bets. Um, as soon as the tote board began showing her odds diminishing, people started booing. Then the race began. The race began with her in the lead. It started with her in the lead. And so people are getting madder and madder and madder watching Miss Chief Mogan go. And then she won by two and a half lengths. Not only did she win, but she smoked everybody. Like nobody else was even in the race with her. She won by two and a half horse lengths. Um, so the payout was $7.30 or $74.55. Compared to her initial 10 to Compared one. to her initial 10 to one, which was probably going to be a lot more than that. Yeah, because it's a, isn't that like a 10%? No, um, rats, I suck at this too. Um, yeah, I, so I had to, I had to go on bettingusa.com to figure out what the heck is going on. 10 to 1 odds, you win 10 units for every one unit wagered. So you do, a, you place a $2 bet. Oh, that makes sense. Get, okay. 
but where but seven dollars and thirty cents like that's a weird number i don't uh, well but didn't her odds go from to 50 percent at one point her odds went to one to five odds yeah down to one to two odds so it doesn't i don't well because but then the other thing yeah but then to remember everybody a lot of people bet for her to win right oh yeah oh so yeah. that's and then she wins but then again if the amount remember the amount of people are going to bet so the price yes the the pot has to be split then between all of those people so that's why it's probably that low okay because if you're betting on the true 10 to 1 long shot and you're like by yourself and she wins then you win you win the whole pot okay okay yeah i don't i don't bet on horses i I don't don't either the only gambling we do is the occasional lottery ticket so yeah maybe we need to start betting on horses i don't know that could be fun (laughs) oh yeah in march in march i think they're supposed to be the ostrich races here in houston that would be fun to watch oh yeah i would have a lot of fun at that but anyways, so um, so people are pissed. She won. They only get $7.30. They're pissed. So what happened was they start yelling, fix, fix, fix. And they start getting mad. And one dude, like people, people start throwing beer cans onto the track. Um, they start throwing things. They start yelling. They start rushing the track. Um, at one point... They, um, they're all yelling and one guy runs onto the track. I feel bad for him, but I don't feel bad for him. He runs out onto the track right as the course, right as the next race is about to happen. Cause this isn't even the last race. There's another race. Um, like right before midnight. Um, And so he runs out onto the track and he gets hit by the starting gate. (gasps) Not even a horse. He gets hit by the gate. Oh, God. And the gate, yeah. And the gate was rolling at 35 miles an hour. So the gate won. Like the gate won. Um, He's laying there looking like a lifeless dead body. Everybody else is pissed off. The horses start racing because the gate swings open and they go. Um, but the, they're all like, oh, there's a dude on the track and people are yelling and throwing stuff. So the horses get off to a really bad start. They get ordered off the track. Um, the crowd's still getting angrier and angrier. They keep throwing beer cans at the jockeys and horses, hitting several of the horses. People start pushing the fence, getting the fence down. Bursting onto the track, they start setting programs on fire. They start setting piles of papers on fire, newspapers, etc. They start setting the seats on fire. They start setting anything they can on fire. They start wrecking the concession stands. They start wrecking the bars. Just in general, mayhem, madness. This is a full-on riot. They start finding bricks throwing them through windows. They demolish the fences. They destroy the tote board. They went full-blown riot. Oh, my God. 
they caused a hundred thousand dollars in damages in 1962, which today is over a million dollars. What? And as the people were running out onto the raceway, when you watch the video, if you watch the video, you can hear the race announcer very calm, very collected. I don't know how he could be calm. He was like, gentlemen, for your safety, get off the track. For your safety. There is a man down on the track. Get off the track. Oh my God. Ambulance is required to the track. Ambulance, please get to the track. There's a man down. <laughs> Everyone, please get off the track for your own safety. And then at one point he calls out, um, there will be a refund for all of your, for all of your bets. There is a full refund. The track refunded about $265,000. This is over a million dollars. It's almost, um, so it was over $2,700,000. Oh is in how much they refunded in today's money. Wow. That's how much they refunded. On top of the million dollars of damage that they now had to fix. Did they like arrest anybody? Uh, I didn't find that they arrested anybody. I mean, if anybody, they should arrest the guy that got in the face <laughs> with the with the starting game. That insult to injury. Yeah. Well, okay. But, but yeah. the gate itself is just the at the speed with which it opens because it's the gate yeah. it's not moving it's stationary but the gate opens but i've seen them they open fast well yeah they have to open fast to get out of the race out of the way of all of the horses yeah i know so so that gate wasn't out to get that man he was just you are not supposed to get on the racetrack no i mean you could get trampled you could it's not you could get hit in the face with the starting gate oh my God. don't do it it's not safe. That is not a good place to be. No. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, so race, horse races are wild. It sounds like it. Damn. Horse races are wild. Like, you never know what you're going to, never know what you're going to get. Oh, I, so going back to the female jockeys. Yes. So since 1977, female jockeys have been allowed in the Grand National Horse Race following Yay. the passing of the Sex Discrimination Act of 1975. And do female jockeys seem to be samesies, better or worse than male I jockeys? Or no, no known difference? According to Google, actually it's a Place Stables blog, um, in the world of horse racing, female jockeys continue to break barriers and prove their worth along their male counterparts. The year 2023 has witnessed exceptional performances from female jockeys who have not only competed but often dominated on racetracks worldwide. I kind of figured cuz if you get if you get a if you get a female jockey and a male jockey of the same build you might be able to get the girl to be oh. lighter. And according to this is in, let's see. There was a, somebody was banned. <gasps> banned. Oh, hang on, let me, I'm opening up the article. Let's see, this is from BBC. So let me see. I don't oh, love know it. if she's in Britain. Oh, yeah. So this is a Britain, British job. Mm-hmm. 
Record-breaking jockey Holly Doyle has been handed a one-month suspended ban after testing positive for banned substance dihydrocodine, a painkiller. Ooh, yep. No doping, jockeys or horses. Wow. Wow. No doping. That is bananas. Okay. But again, again, somebody could have slipped it to her. Oh, well, no, because she had sur- she had been on it for surgery. Oh. Like following oh. surgery. Oh, my God. If she was still on painkillers from surgery, she is not well enough to be jockeying on a horse because that is a lot of jostling. Yeah. Crazy lady. Yes. She's going to tear open her sutures. Oh, and this is interesting. Diane Crump was the first female jockey to ride in the Kentucky Derby. And she finished 15th out of 18 horses in the field. But even though she didn't win, she brought women to the forefront of horse racing. Woo! So, Too bad she didn't win. That would have been really good. For, that would be super good. Oh, but the, dang, one more, one see, more I, fact. See, it's just a freaking rabbit hole. You can't stop. Um, oh, my gosh. Cheryl White was the first Uh African-American female horse racing jockey in the U.S., making history at Jack Thistledown when she was just 17 years old. Dang, young, too. Go, girl. Dang. Did it say what what place she placed? Um, Hang on. Let's see. Um, I'm scanning quickly. Um, yes, yes. Cheryl grew up in Ohio. Mm, no. Okay. No. But yeah. And like I said, these are not, this is not an exhaustive list by any means of crimes in horse racing. These are just some fun examples because honestly, I really could just sit here and read the whole 113-page document from, like, I've got it. If you want to read it, I've got it. Katie's going to put it in the show notes, I hope. Yes, I will. Um, and if you don't want to read it from us, you can just go to um, the the Department of uh, Justice's website. Like, it's literally on the Department of Justice website. That is so amazing. That's- yeah, that's where I found it. Um, it's it's nuts. I was having so much fun reading it um, that I'm probably gonna continue reading it because it's just it's so cool. It's so cool. Like horse racing. Who knew that it had so much criminal activity? Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's that's it. For today, that's it for me. Yay. Okay. We got Katie. I got a mocktail. Woo! And I figured Is it a horse tail? No, no, no. <laughs> you canceled. Banned. Um banned for doping. No, in the spirit of um horse racing, I figured we had to do a mint julep. Oh, a mint julep. And so the traditional mint julep, I believe, is typically bourbon, mint, 
and uh, like a simple syrup. And you pack you pack your glass or your cup with crushed ice and okay. you mix that together and it's delicious. Um, so the mocktail, and I've not I've not had bourbon in a very long time, but the um, the mint julep mocktail is brought to you by the mindful mocktail. So mind, hmm. mindfulmocktail.com. And I think we've shared one of um, uh, her name is Nat. Um, she's the, the founder. I think we've shared one of her mocktails before, but of course, I like, yeah, I will share, um, the recipe in the show notes, but it is, um, and I, it, to me, it sounds like the, the key is the mint, uh, syrup mm. and, um, to make the mint syrup, it's, that's pretty simple. It's a cup of water, half cup sugar, and a cup of mint leaves. And you, um, you basically, you can, you want to combine the sugar and water in a small saucepan and get basically stir it until it dissolves. Um, mm-hmm. and then you add your mint and increase the heat until it comes to a little bit of a boil. Um, then reduce the heat to low, let it simmer for about 10 minutes and then remove it from the heat. Um, let it cool completely. Um, she says the longer you leave it, the stronger the mint flavor will be. And then you just ah, drain out sense. the mint leaves. Um, and then um, for the actual julep cocktail or mocktail, you want to do one cup of ginger ale or non-alcoholic bourbon. And they okay. do make that. Um, you can, t- there's, a, there's so many uh, alcohol-free um, spirits out there anymore. I will share a couple in the show notes that I personally like. But there, there are just there's so many. Like you could literally just Google alcohol-free bourbon, and I'm sure something will a bunch of things will pop up. So anyway, um, ginger ale or non-alcoholic bourbon, crushed ice, like I said, or mint sprigs to garnish. That's optional, but I figured if you're making your mint syrup anyway, you will have mint leaves, so keep some for your garnish. And then um, you fill your favorite cup or cups with crushed ice. And crushed, like I said, crushed ice is like, that's what you do for a mint julep. Then you add a half a cup of your um, ginger ale or non-alcoholic bourbon. And then a quarter cup of the mint syrup. Then you stir gently and garnish with the mint and enjoy because it's delicious. What? <laughs> I just and enjoy because it's delicious. Enjoy or else, or else. Big Tony's gonna come and get you. <laughs> uh, oh God! So this with mocktail and like I said, I will put all of that in the show notes or just go to mindfulmocktail.com. It sounds good. It sounds yeah. like it'll be good. I simple syrups are really simple really easy to make i need to make some more yeah. but then i just have sugar water sitting around and i just kind of want to drink it Ew. so like straight well no well kind of <laughs> and then you have to you have to like use it within a certain amount of time otherwise it's gonna go That's bad true. so yeah they usually keep for like you a know week, I think. um oh my god katie what? simple syrup in powdered sugar, infused icings. Wait, what? Cookies. Well, so 
sorry. Um, let me focus my brain. Okay, so you know how you make icing for cookies yes. is just powdered sugar oh. and like a little bit yes. of milk or a little bit of water. If you used simple syrup for your liquid to make your icing, oh. how good would that be? That's a lot of sugar. Well, yeah, but it'd be extra delicious. You're going to have to try that and let me know how it goes. Yes, 100% sugar coma. Yeah. Diabetes. Funny. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's not. Oh, but it'll be delicious. Oh, my God. If y'all can't tell, I might be addicted to sugar. It's addictive. As I'm drinking my Coca-Cola. In your Whataburger cup. Yes, in my large Whataburger cup. Yep. Well, cool. Might be. What? Might be. Might be. Might be addicted. Yeah, but that's it. That's That was fun. I'm, I'm so glad. Instead of all of my murder and horrible, horrible things, this was a little more lighthearted. A little bit. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And just like one criminal activity led to another, led to another, led to another. And then it led to like some that happened in the 80s and some that happened in the 90s. And I was like, whoa, pull your jets. <laughs> we do 50-year-old and, and older. Can't be doing that. I mean, but you could have. Same yeah. same crime, different different committers. Same crime, different committers is yeah. fixing, betting, cheating, rioting, doping, rioting. Same crime, different different people. Yeah. That's wild. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all I've got. And we're doing well to get one episode a month to you guys. I'm sorry. But we're doing our best. We're going to do better. Better. Hopefully. Yes. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, everyone, I hope you guys have a great week. If you like our content, please like, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. Um, you can always email us a case suggestion at maliceandmocktails at gmail.com. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram, uh, maliceandmocktails. Mm -hmm. And we will catch you next time. Make good choices. Bye. Bye.